welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm doing much. Last episode, you congratulated me, but it was premature. Yeah. Because. Because things went poorly. No, because we were recording ahead of time. Mm -hmm. But now I am actually married. Yeah. And not only that, look, I don't know. You could say maybe, you could make an argument that I have some bias in this. Okay. But my wedding was the best wedding that there has ever been. It is among the best weddings I've ever been to. I'll say that. All right. But and it, yeah, might, it is because it's the best. So it's obviously among the best. But I might say, let's see. I'm, I'm inclined to say it is the best one I've been to. But I've been to a, a lot. And I'm trying to think back. I think it is probably number one. Good. And Good. by the way, that includes mine. <laughs> now, like, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm happy with my wedding. And I have a connection to the day. But, I mean, Jen and I, we've been to so many weddings in the last nine and a half years that we find ourselves just being like, man, I wish we could redo our wedding or something <laughs> like that. Because we were young and we didn't, you know, there's yeah. a lot of things we didn't know. But we went in from the beginning because I am someone who has a love-hate relationship with it. Love-hate relationship with going to weddings mm-hmm. because they can be a lot of fun. But also it's like if they're not a lot of fun, it's like, well, I got dressed up. I sat through something probably boring and I bought a gift for nothing, yeah. you know. Now here I am with my thumb up my ass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, paying, I don't know. Do you watch New Girl? I do, yes. Did you I, see that? I do. Uh, that was like, oh, they had a cash bar. I hope they can't have kids. <laughs> um, that, was yeah, that, went, that was a little dark. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, um, so w- because of that, part of our design from the beginning, back nine months ago when we were first planning the wedding, this mm-hmm. wedding, the idea was we want this to be fun for people. We want people to be have a, we want it to be worthwhile for people to come. Mm-hmm. It's it, it turned out to be a super hot day, which we didn't. We knew was a possibility, but it was the beginning of a heat wave that I think yeah. it's just broken a little bit today. Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I'm hoping that p- people had a great time because it was uh, uh, that was our our uh, our goal. It's the it was the time of year in which no matter how hot it gets during the day, it cools down yeah. significantly by like 20, 30 degrees at night. So I think yeah. it was fine. But also our ceremony was 15 minutes. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Ryan did a great job. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, Ryan. I was going to say friend of the show, but he's never been on the show. He hasn't. He and I talked um, about that. And I said, haven't you ha- why haven't you ever been on the show? He said, <laughs> because you've never asked me. <laughs> so, um, But a lot of friends of the show yeah. uh, came. Uh, Josh Fadum, mm-hmm. Susan Burke, um, people who were... Uh, connect you know actual contributors yeah. like scott nye and uh jason eakin and josh long and matt warren and ian brill uh, ian brill Goble. um paul Goebel was yeah he was there um i'm probably leaving someone out frank but, feel uh, my wrath mcgrath frank feel my wrath mcgrath was there yeah. that's right um and he uh did a reading that everyone who knows frank just did an impression of just him reading various dr seuss yeah just yeah. One fish, two fish. Yeah, Red everyone fish, who knows fish. Frank has a Frank impression. But um, I, I wish I had brought pulled this up because one of my one of our friends that you uh, you might have met her. She did one of the readings. Uh, did a like an Instagram selfie of her while they were waiting for the ceremony to start. Mm-hmm. Right, her group of friends sitting in a circle. Instagram selfie posted on Instagram <laughs> in the about two rows back, but unfortunately staring directly at the camera. <laughs> Is Scott Nye looking like a total creep? <laughs> and I'm sure, he just caught him at the wrong moment, but he's just like sitting there, almost like in his brown polyester suit, yeah, which just, isn't helping. But like overly, like calmly, just like staring daggers, <laughs> calm, cool daggers, straight yeah. at the camera, and he's just waiting. Yeah. Okay. This is enough talk about my stupid wedding. Um, it was a great wedding. It was yeah, a wonderful it day. Was. Uh, it was a great time. Um, but uh, there are some things we want to mention. 
Indeed. Speaking of contributors uh, to the website, at least, uh, Jim Rohner has a new podcast. His old old podcast, Q the Day, was right. a great idea. Do this ad first. Oh, uh, yeah, let's talk about this ad. Yeah, yeah. that's right, because we, we got things to, to yeah. push here. Okay, so, all right. We have a few sponsors. We will uh, spread them out over the course of the episode. Uh, first off, this episode was brought to you by Aperture, committed to providing quality movie-making equipment at an actually affordable price. And right now, they're holding the Aperture At All Costs video contest. They're giving away thousands of dollars in lights, microphones, and monitors for artists that can best show why they are pursuing the path of art at all costs. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> there is only a week left to get your video in. Uh, the guy specifically emailed me today and said, make sure they know, deadline's coming up. Uh, so if you are a, um, if you are a filmmaker, uh, I would suggest really doing this because you could win thousands of dollars worth of equipment that you will use. So, uh, so please be sure to do that. So if you want more information, go to Aputure.com. That's A-P-U-T-U-R-E.com. Or you can click on the banner at BattleshipPretension.com, which is what we would prefer. Yes. So, um, I'm sorry for forgetting about that, but I, I wanted to go back to what I was saying. Jim Rohner used to have a show called Q the Day. It was a great show, but uh, it got, I don't know, it just had... Uh, got shit-canned <laughs> by just, the internet. <laughs> exactly. It got canceled. Yeah. Um, so now he started a new podcast called I Do Movies Badly. Mm-hmm. You've already been involved, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, he and I have kind of been working on it for the last few months, uh, and he came up... Jim is, in my opinion, a great podcaster. He is a born podcaster. He comes up with great uh, topics Mm -hmm. uh, or concepts for shows. He comes up with good names, uh, and he's a good producer of podcasts. And so uh, he came up with this idea. It's it's essentially sort of a movie homework podcast, but it's also remarkably personal because it's all about movies and filmmakers whose work he's almost completely unfamiliar with. So he's putting a lot of himself out there when he's admitting this. So so what he does... uh, he will devote a month to a specific filmmaker or genre that he is largely unfamiliar with. And the first week, he will have somebody on who is more familiar with that. Uh, and then that person will assign him three movies that he's got to watch. And then he will spend the next few weeks talking about those movies. So I was on the very first episode talking about the work of David Mamet. And I recommended that he watch House of Games, State and Maine, and Spartan. It was hard. I was. I, I wanted to go with Homicide instead of uh, House of Games, but there's such a con artist aspect to so many of his movies that I figured it wouldn't hurt to go back to the first one he ever directed and one that kind of sums that up. That's a, yeah. The, I can't argue as much as I'm not uh, go back to the Criterion Cast episode of us talking about it. Yeah. I'm not the hugest fan of House of Games, but that's a good point. You, I think Homicide's a better film, and, so, and I think a more personal one. But anyway, so right now you can go back and listen to that episode with me. Uh, you can listen to his episode about House of Games, in which he says some very interesting things about David Mamet, just things he's extrapolating from the film itself. Uh, State and Maine is up of it, is available now, and this is part of the part of the fleet, so you can find that at BattleshipPretension.com. Yeah. Coming up is Spartan, one of our favorite movies. And then next month is Ingmar Bergman month. Uh, Josh Long is on okay. to talk about it, and he's assigned him a, a number of films. And so, uh, so good for Jim for acknowledging his own ignorance and uh, using it as an opportunity to uh, get to know more things. All right, Jim. So. If you if you don't if you if if Joe Dante is a blind spot for you, give me a call. Absolutely, I'll do Joe Dante. Um, I also want to talk about our top fifty com- top fifty comedies. That's yeah. uh, obviously uh, thank you for to Wayne Fetterman for being mm-hmm. a great guest last week. That was Absolutely. an awesome episode. 
um, and uh, that list is still up and available. Yeah, the, uh, the episode is available. Uh, the list is now it's completely uh, finished on the website. So, and there are little blurbs that our writers have written about the top twenty-five of the top fifty. So you can go online and you can go on the website and read those. So yeah, so thanks to everybody that contributed, people who uh, you know <laughs> voted for the movies. It was a lot of fun, and I'm for the most part I'm pretty proud of the list. I think it's uh, pretty. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like if you watch all the movies on that list, you get a pretty good flavor of uh, comedy over the last hundred years. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to mention now a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, someone sent us a VHS cassette yep. of the Dutch horror from the lift. Mm-hmm. Dutch, Danish. I don't know. You saw it. I didn't say. I it. always forget. I'm pretty sure it's Dutch. Um, anyway, uh, and we said, send us more shit. Why aren't you people sending us shit? We okay. have a we have a, a, a PO box, and our friend Andy came through. Andy, okay. Andy from. The UK. Oh I'm not, yes. I'm not sure where in the UK. If he's in Scotland, then he might not be in the UK for much longer. Watch out, uh, freedom. <laughs> um, but that's from Braveheart, David. Um, oh, okay. I thought it was uh, that uh, song. Who is that? Richie Havens. That's who it is. Yeah, I thought it was Richie Havens. I have um, no idea how I, I almost said that. Richard Marks. Um, so he said something in the mail is requested. These Wherever just- you go, whatever you do, freedom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So what he sent us are just Justice League of America fridge magnets. Oh, The nice. idea being that you can put them over photos in the fridge and you can turn your friends and yourself into Batman or the Wonder Woman or um, the this one here or the Green Lantern. Or, uh, that was the, that's the flash that okay. you just pointed to. Okay. Um, this one here, is that also Green Lantern? Or is yes. that Green Arrow? That's Lantern. Who's Green Arrow? He's the guy with the bow and arrow. Is he DC? Yes. Okay. Uh, so thank you to Andy... Absolutely. And again, send us more shit. Yeah. We'll take basically anything. Look, you even got the Wonder Woman Lariat of Truth, whatever that's called. Uh, I think just the Lasso of Truth is what it's called. I like Lariat. I do. I Don't get me wrong. I like that much <laughs> it's a more. a better word. Yeah, no question about it. <laughs> uh, I like the idea that a superhero movie or a superhero comic book would use words like Lariat. Like, you don't what, why that. aren't there, like, Old West superheroes? There has to, there has to be, like... Cow, cowboy man. That would be a weird... Well, there's uh, Jonah Hex. That film did not do well. But Is he a superhero? I mean, that's a comic book, but I, I'm not familiar with it. He's kind of a superhero, I think. There, I think there's a supernatural... I don't know. I didn't see the movie, nor have I... The character showed up once in Batman the Animated Series. I think there's an immortal quality to him, so I think okay. he might have like super strength and stuff. So I think, there's a, I think there's a superhero quality to him. Okay. That's the only one I can think of, actually. Yeah, then you need a guy who, like, fights crime in the modern day, but his outfit is, like, chaps and six shooters and a, and a lariat. Yeah, there's got to be someone, right? Yeah, there, there should be. If not... Yeah. Someone get on it. Yeah. And uh, give us story credit, please. Yeah. Um, another ad? Please? Yes. Okay. Please. So hit us with another ad. I would, I'll hit you with my best shot. Fire away. That's by Richie Havens, right? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So, uh... <laughs> Now, I don't have the ad necessarily in front of me, but uh, I will say this episode is brought to you by the Double Feature Podcast, which we've, been, we've, we've talked about in the past. Never heard of them. Uh, nor should you. I will say this. The show is, I've said in the past, it's good. It has gone downhill. Uh, I don't really recommend it. I think it's pretty bad. I, look, they gave us money, and that's all well and good, but we've got to be honest here. Right. Uh, the show is pretty... I don't know. 
Can you think of another word for insufferable? I don't know. I can't. So I'll just use that. It's insufferable. Okay. It's uh, jumped the shark is what we're saying. It's jumped the shark. It's day. It's it jumped the shit. I'll tell you that right come now. And, come and gone. Exactly. It's, it peaked, uh, I don't know, like three weeks ago, and then a very <laughs> steep decline after that. But uh, so this, is, this episode is brought to you by them. Um, incidentally, we do have a guest with us. <laughs> it is the... Uh, Oh shit! It's the <laughs> it's the host of the Double Feature podcast. His name is Eric Thirteen. Eric, how you doing? Somebody has not done their homework here. Uh, there's some administration that needs to go on here. Somebody needs to be auditing these things. So, uh, okay. Uh, Thank you for s- uh, sitting through all our bullshit. That was like maybe the longest we've ever asked a guest to be quiet. You guys have the most exciting ads. I don't know if I've told you this. I could listen to you read about nine of them. Oh, good. All right, but ten is too many. <laughs> yeah, we've only got two more. Right, right. only two more to go. Um, yeah. So I will say a couple things real quick. Um, So we are sponsored by Double Feature. We have been sponsored by them in the past. And I'm sure a number of people are wondering, hey, how very strange that the host of Double Feature is now on the podcast. Uh, I might be wondering that myself. Very strange. Uh, How did I get here? A few minutes before we started recording. We're all wondering it. Uh, (laughs) But basically, um, I didn't I don't want to give people the impression that. If you sponsor the show or if you give us money, you buy yourself onto the show. It's nothing like that. As I've said before, uh, I've listened to Double Feature. I enjoyed a great deal. Uh, we talked about Eric being a guest on the show in between sponsorships, uh, saying, and he's from out of town. So I basically said, whenever you're in town, come on by. Uh, and it happened to land in the middle of a sponsorship. Being polite, thinking, of course, he'll never, he'll never take me up on this. Sure, that would be absolutely. insane. But I, but I do very much enjoy the podcast. And so what is, what are you guys talking about? Well, what, what is the show? Yeah. yeah. Um, so this week we are doing uh, Blood Simple. And uh, I've actually forgotten the other movie. Shall it doesn't matter. Shall we see you remember? Yeah, Blood Simple, full stop with, with, with pause after that. And Shallow Grave. Um, so it's kind of a famous first thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, the ad, doublefeatureshow.com, that's the important part. Mm-hmm. You can't. You, you can't have the, the battleshipretention.com. That's more. Important. That's my preferred method. In <laughs> fact, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's what we're doing over there this week. So, yeah. and the, the format of the show is you just take two movies that are somehow similar. Yeah, and just talk about them. Well, now that I'm doing all my big Hollywood stuff, I have to get better at elevator pitches. Okay. So this is my idea for this show, right? Okay. If you've ever watched a movie, as I'm sure you guys have, and many people listen to the show, mm-hmm. uh, if you've ever watched a movie and gone. Why the fuck does anyone like this movie? Double Feature is there to answer that question for you. I believe that's it. Okay. So we try, it's, it's kind of an analytical show, although that sounds like uh, I'm giving us too much credit to even say that. But we try to be really positive about the movies, even if they don't deserve it. And that's sort of our premise every time. We're going to take two movies, and we're going to talk about them as if they're the greatest movies ever, even if just for this week of Yeah, their I listened lives. to your Shark Boy and Lava Girl episode. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which you paired I think that with was the first one. Drive. That was rough, yeah. yeah. That was rough to do. We also did, uh, the first year we did Tank Girl and Schindler's List. That's another <laughs> one of my favorite uh, favorite ones. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, yeah. you can find... Oh, sorry? No, go ahead. Uh, fi- yeah, finish the, finish the ad. So you can find that at Double Are Feature Are we still show. in an ad? Yeah, This yeah, whole thing, I'm just turned upside down. Yeah, you can leave after this. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, you can find at, long uh, drive back home. Doublefeatureshow.com, or you can go. You can click on the ad at battleshippretension.com, and uh, there are a 
ton of episodes at this point. Uh, I recommend them all. I really like the show. I like uh, the way they approach things. You're being very, uh, very humble when you said that it's that you you're reluctant to say you're analytical. I think it's the best kind of analysis. I don't think you guys have your heads too far up your well, ass. Thank about you, it. thank you. I appreciate uh, so, that. Yeah. Well, can we talk about that for a minute? Because actually, if I remember right. One or both of you guys have been to film school, correct? <laughs> yes, that's correct. So that was another running thing with our shows. We'd never been to film school. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of wondering if by sheer sort of brute force, we could just watch a lot of movies and learn something about film. Well, so, theoretically, that is the best film school. and I Maybe. You know. And also special features when done right. Uh, right, sure, sure. But uh, more often than not, special features on DVDs and Blu-rays are terrible. Sure. <laughs> you should stay far away from them. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm curious to hear the other side, not to get too introspective here. I don't want anyone to start weeping at the table. But, not too late. Uh, film school, good move, bad move? Are you happy I, with that? Depends on the school and what you want to do with well, it. Well, for you yeah. guys, though. I mean, it was for me. A very you need to have a unified opinion on this, by the way. This can't be. Yeah, because I think it's different because I... I like the school I went to. Mm-hmm. If I had it to do over again, I would have taken different classes. Right. But I like the school I went to a lot. I was uh, we very... Columbia College, Chicago. That's the one. I was very happy with my film school experience because uh, there are a lot of, and apparently even other departments within the school where you had to, you couldn't just major in this subject. You had to declare a concentration. Mm. Uh, I was under the impression that you had to do that for the film department, which it turns out you didn't. So you were free to just take – there are some basic – you know, some core classes. But beyond that, you're free to take whatever you like. And so – now, if you do declare a concentration, then there are a number of classes you need to take to be successful in that. But if you, like myself, don't have a concentration, I took screenwriting classes. I took directing classes. And thank God, I took a lot of critical studies classes. At the time, I fancied myself a a writer-director. but and so I still always had those that I would take. But then um, I was just very happy that I took as many critical studies classes that I, as I did, and I was happy that that the school gave us the freedom to not declare anything yeah. and just kind of develop our own curriculum, which was great. So I really recommend it. I don't think it's necessary if you're going to be a critic. I don't think it's totally necessary, but I think it can be very helpful. Um, just because I mean, there you know. I was in a John Cassavetes Robert Altman class. I took it for Altman. And then I fell in love with Cassavetes. Right, right. So, you know, stuff like that. You explore a lot of different avenues than yeah. when you're trying to find things on when your own. Tra- when you're trying to find things, I think that there is, whether you're trying to or not, which is one of the, re- incidentally, it's one of the reasons why I really respect Jim's podcast is because not unlike school, you are being assigned films to watch. You don't have a choice. You have to watch this. Whereas I think if you're if it's if it's up to you, you might challenge yourself. Maybe even more than you think, uh, you're you're uh, further than you think you're willing to go. But in the end, I do think that there's still a certain degree of comfort zone. Whereas if somebody says you have to watch this, otherwise you're waste you've wasted your right mind. right. Um, I think there's something to be said for that. And so, uh, so I think I'd recommend film school provided it's the right film school. Uh, and you know, at this point there's a bunch of them. And so I think you can, you that's, know. yeah, that sounds good. But this is too much about us. Yeah. Sorry. We got to get to get to know our guest. Well, you didn't go to film school. So no, what, I what else is <laughs> I'm completely worthless to you. Well, the first thing I want to, I'm, I'm going to assume that 13 is not your given name. I'm not going to ask you what your name is. You would assume wrong. My, my name is, my last name is 13. Is it that really? Is true. Yes, it is. Okay. I was going to, cause I was wondering how. My, mi- my middle name uh, is Exandra with an X as well, which is also weird. Uh, and I was telling Tyler earlier 
that my birthday is all, also on April Fool's. I'm just giving people information to hack my bank account right now, apparently. <laughs> um, my first dog's name was Chase, so you can look at... No. Uh, that is actually true. Now I'm worried about my bank account. Um, but yeah, so it's it's on April... F- uh, April Fool's Day. So what kind of name is 13 then? Ah, uh, that's I a ass- really good question. What I, kind I of assumed you used to like play bass for AFI or <laughs> right, right, or anti flag yeah. or something. Right. I should look into that. I should look into <laughs> that. Uh, you know what else is funny is as I've been getting into the film industry, I thought for sure no one else would have the name Eric 13 uh-huh. and I'm dead wrong. There is a singer, Eric 13, who as far as I can tell doesn't do anything in film but uh, is eric13.com. I'm going to plug his website for some reason. I don't know why, why I'm even uh, acknowledging that. But yeah, so that's kind of a bummer. Well, now I want to see your like family tree. Like, how, like where does <laughs> right. the name 13 right. come the from? Right, the 13th. It's not, a, it's not very long, that tree. Uh, okay. we'll, we'll go over it uh, after the show. I'll draw you a little diagram. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It does seem like one of those things that, uh, was it Ellis Island? No. Yeah, that's the, that's the island. Where people come in and they, uh, doesn't it just seem like some of these guys like, I can't pronounce this. You know, what the hell? Just give him a name. Uh, give him a number as a name. Screw you. It seems like it'd be one of those I, w- I was actually right after the 12th person in line who had an unpronounceable <laughs> last name is what, what happened there. Yeah. I also don't plan to have children while you're talking about just getting married and so forth. So the 13 lineage may be dying out. This may be a rare breed. You don't have siblings? Uh, I don't. So, you know, we might have to talk to the other Eric 13 and see if he can perhaps produce some offspring. Right. Keep it going. Maybe you guys can adopt a kid together. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> we'll set that up. We'll set that up. Um, so, okay. Uh, I mean, I had something for the top of the show, but I feel like we've, we're already well past that I'm point. pretty good at yapping. I just keep going yeah. on and on. Well, look, I don't have anything uh, that concrete for the topic of the show. Okay. So maybe you should bring up your thing just okay. to kill some more time. So. I'll just bring this up just because it's something that I found interesting um, because it's a thing that I started doing and sort of fell back in love with uh, a certain degree of filmmaking. Um, so uh, over at uh, More Than One Lesson, uh, my other podcast. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, you and everyone else. <laughs> this is a good show, though. Now, can I vouch no, for this? Sure. We also solved religion before you got here. Yeah, yeah we know. got it figured out. We haven't talked to him about that yeah. yet, but we, yeah. yeah. So we, gonna... we came down uh, pro. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? I don't know if I remember it going that way. But... I seem to recall that. Uh, We're working out religion. We yeah. need to. We need to perhaps go over some of the fine details. Okay, so but I, be- I believe, I believe, big it. picture, we've got it figured out. And so. Uh, but we've been going through the uh, the best pictures uh, over the years, and so we've you worked and Eric? Our, Yeah, yeah. We talked a lot before. You were really late, David. <laughs> we did um, a couple shows, actually. While we were waiting so. for our Little Caesars pizzas to be done, uh, you know, we talked about religion and the best pictures. And so uh, so Josh and I have been talking about the, the best pictures. We worked our way back to 1995. So uh, we talked about Braveheart. That was a fun discussion coming up. Forrest Gump, watch out. Although... We're not going to be able to do that until November because October is Halloween times, and that's when we talk about horror movies. So hopefully, maybe Christians can be more comfortable with horror movies. Anyway, uh, are you going to talk about the guest? We are going to talk about the guest, and we'll be pairing it with uh, Needful Things. 
Oh, that's uh, not a good movie. Not that great of a movie. The guest being uh, new Adam Wingard, is that right? Yes. That's it. Yeah. yeah have you, you guys have seen yeah, that? I loved it. Oh, I'm excited I to talk to you about that. Um, I believe it's in my top five of the year so far. That whole Adam Wingard circle, I'm really interested in all of that stuff. See, Ty West and uh, yeah. but, uh, the weird gotta, Lena Dunham that seems to get in there. and You got to see Entrance yeah. if you haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I see, I didn't like Adam, you said Wingard uh, or Wingard, whatever it is. I have no idea. Um, I didn't like his shorts that he did for ABC's of death and for, um, VHS two mm-hmm. very much, but I loved your next. Yeah. I love the guest, but now he's, he, he and Simon Barrett are remaking the Korean movie. I saw the devil. Oh, interesting. Which, I didn't know that. Um, has a very mixed reputation. People seem to either love or hate that sure, movie. I sure. haven't seen it actually. Um, I like, I saw the devil. Uh, but I don't. I, I just, I, I don't want to be the like knee jerk like anti remake guy, but these guys have made two uh, original screenplays and original films that are chock full of homages to yeah, begin they're, with. They're very much a throwback, uh, but are very much in their own voice. And I guess I saw the devil. This their their version of it could be great. It could be terrible. But I feel like I'm being robbed of one cycle of. Yeah, their movies, and I right. have, now I have to wait. Instead of two years, now I have to wait four years, or or more, to get another real Adam Wingard, Simon Barrett movie. So I'm kind of bummed about it, but uh, I'll, I'll keep my I, my mind open. My hope is that they do have, they feel like they have a free enough hand to really put their own stamp on it, and it could wind up being like, for example, The Departed or something like that, um, which. You know, story structure is very similar to it. I mean, it is. It's based on Infernal Affairs, and yeah. so it's like that. But it it is very much its own film. Yeah, and it's feels, way longer. <laughs> yeah, and it feels like a Scorsese film. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so hopefully, it winds up being something like that. That's neither here nor there. Uh, so, Josh and I have been going through the best pictures, and we talked about the English Patient. Uh, we knew we were going to get there uh, because Josh hates that film, not merely because it beat out Fargo, a far more deserving film. Uh, but also just on its own merits or lack thereof. And so I have not, not seen it. He's not a, a big Saeed from Lost fan. He likes him, but he does. He thinks the character just is not. Uh, That's well it's been so long since I've seen English patient. The main thing I remember about it is that it's the first place I saw <laughs> Saeed from Lost. Yeah. And I'm rewatching that. Lost now. I, I am. Can't, I can't Lost. get over yeah. how good that is. Yeah. So, where are you at right now? Um, I just started the second season. Cause I'm, I'm keeping about pace I'm with too. the AV yeah. club. Oh yeah. Uh, AV club.com is doing a, they were doing two episodes a week, but they took a hiatus between seasons one and two. So I've now watched the first two of season ah, two, but I'm awesome. waiting for the reviews to catch up. We just had uh, Nestor on. He's doing a bit part for the movie Director's Cut. Oh, right. We uh, should. Well, let's, yeah, let's yeah. put a pin in that because I want to talk about your movie. Oh, sure. Yeah, but sure. Tyler's been trying to say his thing. <laughs> yeah. So for what like I half will, an hour now. What I will say is uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funnier the longer we, yeah. we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Funny. Um, yeah. And so. Uh, in preparation for that episode, I rewatched English Patient, and for the first 40 minutes, I was like, man, you know what? This isn't as bad as I thought. And then I realized through the love story that I don't care about these characters or anything that happens to them. Uh, but I And so then we recorded the episode and talked about how much we hate the framing device and all that. And I started to develop a bit of a theory. I get curious about things sometimes. So I downloaded the film loaded it into old iMovie, cut out the framing device, rearranged some scenes a little bit, and came up with this little hour and a half romance, uh, hour and 15 minute romance between Rafe Fiennes and 
uh, Chris and Scott Thomas uh, without, you know, Willem Dafoe's not in it. Juliette Binoche is in it. This is fascinating And to so me. I did Wait, this. Wait, is Saeed from Lost in it? <laughs> no. Oh, man. Because he's in the framing device. You're not interested now. And so, because I was curious. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, I'm out. Done. If you, if you put the love story together instead of spacing it out with far more, you know, separating it by far more interesting characters like Saeed from Lost, uh, whose name I assume somebody knows. Um, <laughs> Wait, the, char- the actor's name is Naveen Andrews. That's him. And so. Uh, the character I don't. I, I did know. Remember. It's like Kip or something like that. Anyway, so uh, so I I put it together and I did move some scenes around, um, and you know there's some voiceover I had to drown out. So yes, I did download the score as well. Wow! And I thought you were going to say you did voiceover. Yes, <laughs> that we have a totally different kind of movie. Yeah, I, I did my my burned Ray Fiennes oh, voice. Oh man! Um, and uh, first off, it was very uh, it was fun to edit again. I haven't edited since film school you know i haven't and mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun i forgot how much fun it can be well except for the documentary <laughs> that you've made about the when the dog breeder oh, which i just found the other day yeah uh, in my in my stuff yeah uh, uh luxury on a leash <laughs> that's right uh about the mickeys which are just the cutest damn dogs anyway uh-huh. uh and uh, i should tell you about some of that stuff uh, off air because it's uh, quite sad uh, oh so um i'm not surprised of course yeah remar- <laughs> okay. this is sad. getting too insane yeah yeah and so um Anyway, so looking at the love story, suddenly it works a lot better, specifically from Ray Fiennes. When you take him talking, like being very vocal and talking about what happened, you take that out and you're actually able to see his arc a little bit more. And you see that he's a guy who's like this count. He's very detached. He feels at home in the desert where there's no people around. And now suddenly he feels passion for somebody. And he reacts like a teenage boy. And when you take him reminiscing and you have him being very, very uh, eloquent about it, somehow that diffuses that arc a little bit. When you just look at the raw story, it first off, the, the passion comes through a little bit more and it works more as a character study. And so I've got good news, everybody. The English patient can work if you but if you cut it down to an hour and fifteen minutes, and so you cut it together and you watched it as it exists now yes. from beginning to end. Yes, that's interesting, but I I can't endorse it. I, well, of course not. It, it it more was a curious a, a, bit, a bit of curiosity for me because one of the things that we said is that that the love story does not work, and so. Um, I basically did say like, okay, well, if we put it all together and just saw it from the point of view of just these two characters interacting, like, I don't think there's ever a scene where these two don't interact. Um, is, does that, does that aspect of it still work? And, or sorry, does it work at all? Because in my opinion, in the larger film, it does not. And so it's not like I'm saying, oh, this is a better film or anything like that. I found it more resonant as a character piece. And it's just something I found interesting. And so uh, just throwing it that out creates there. creates quite a quandary. Because I understand, yeah, I understand from an intellectual, like, deconstructive exercise, like, let's take this apart, like... Like, you take a part of vacuum cleaner just to figure out how it works. Sure. I think everybody should re-edit a film. I think that's a great I, idea. I, I, but I, I am so... I don't that even, experience like, has to be so insightful. Yeah, but I, I just feel like I don't ever want to get involved. I always want to be the observer of... Yeah, how do we see art. this? 
I, no, I'm, di- I, I, I'm dying I, I now to see, see this. I don't want to see it because I Put want... Put Saeed back in. He'll see it. You know, I, like, I stopped even watching deleted scenes. You know, we keep coming back to special features. I have a hard time with um, those two, yeah. Because I only want to see... Even though I, fu- I fully believe that once a film exists and is finished, it belongs to the audience in sure. one way, I don't mean in that way, that it's theirs to fuck with. Yeah. I mean, it's theirs <laughs> to interpret. And it no longer belongs to the director, <laughs> and now it's up to the fans to do the next edit. <laughs> yeah, see, I can't get... Like, I don't even... I, I wouldn't even call into a radio show. That's how much, like, I don't want to disturb the thing I'm observing. It's, you know? why, it's I, why I leave during Q&A during uh, Comic-Con. <laughs> That's yeah. not I, why you leave. I, well, there's a number of reasons. Uh, but yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I'm saying that, like, you know, Anthony Minghella had an original vision, and it didn't work for me, and it's not like, I need to make it work for me. It's more just curiosity on my part. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that, I, you know, I did watch... Uh, nobody can see the Topher Grace edit of the Star Wars prequels, but... There have been very in-depth descriptions of it, and so people have done it based on those descriptions. So, friend of the show, Jason Aiken, and Josh and myself, we watched a fan edit of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, still doesn't work. Um, and just uh, and then I myself am pining for the day when the third Hobbit movie comes out and somebody can edit that into a really great th- three-hour <laughs> film. Yeah. Um, and I know that that's wrong of me to... To think, but I do like the. Frankly, I just I like the idea of people just getting involved in in the the art of filmmaking. Uh, hopefully, they then go on to make their own films. Um, but I don't know. It's just something that uh, more than anything, the story out of this. And that's the thing. I'm not putting this up on Vimeo or YouTube. I don't necessarily want to put right. it out there for people to see because it's not my place to do so. Uh, this yeah, was you just also for, might possibly get sued or something if you if well, you that, say it's for educational purposes or academic ooh, purposes, i don't know it's, man it's mostly okay see um, that that's where i have the problem with it i have no artistic qualm i have only uh capitalistic mm. qualms with it <laughs> profiting off of you know somebody did majority of the work and you just came in with iMovie well, and I said i'm gonna rearrange these scenes well i wouldn't charge or anything like that you, keep, you are still putting up their footage though Unless you paid for every, unless you went and rented from iTunes for every time someone watches your versions, they're yeah. still watching some of the footage without paying the original creator. You yeah, know what I mean? Well, he's dead. <laughs> oh, that so makes it okay. Solved. Yeah, um, no one yeah. from that film gets any. Uh, but there's but there's a number of reasons. That but I this is all no point because you're not putting it up. Right. The point is. Not that I'm going to really. Well, okay. I'm not really doing anything with this except I forgot how much i loved editing and this kind of reignited that for me so actually so let's make a movie well i'm gonna start doing these video things for the website um that are in which i'll be going through my favorite characters of all time the first one i'm gonna try and put it up next week uh in which i'll be talking about don logan from sexy beast and so um and it will involve yes i'm sorry it will involve some clips uh from the film. Well, I think that's okay. When you say educational purposes, I thought you were giving a hand-waving. I just re-edited the film, you know, for educational purposes. <laughs> no, I, I took one scene it. out, and now it's to educate people. Yeah. In the same way that people will re-edit Pulp Fiction, put it in chronological order, just to see if, it's, if it works as well. Yeah, there's a line not. there. That's yeah. strange. I'm not... If you're putting up a three-hour version of Pulp Fiction where you just rearrange the scenes, I feel like you're still violating copyright. Whereas if you put up an hour's worth of scenes and talk a lot over it about it, I feel like that's still education. Okay, so somewhere enough. that crosses a line, I'm not sure where. You know what someone should, should do? I'm sure someone has attempted this, and maybe someday it'll be out there, is all six seasons of Lost 
in chronological order. Oh. Yeah, that is. That is out there. Is well, it? I want to tell you guys, fanedit.org is a website. Okay. Uh, I don't know if people are illegally uploading content to it or if it's just kind of, you know, chapter markers and screenshots. Uh, but there is a community of people who are editing their own, uh, creating their own fan edits of movies. I know about this because we covered a movie called High Tension a while oh, yeah. ago. Yeah. And uh, I always thought, well, I always thought High Tension would be incredible if not for the last 12 minutes. That yeah. it would be excellent well, if you just chopped that chunk off. I, have you seen High Tension? I know, but I know the twist. Um, so, you know, okay, uh, people who know and uh, will know that Roger Ebert had a great line about it, which is that at the end of the movie, the it, it, not, it not only has a plot hole big enough to drive a truck through, but there literally is a truck driven through the plot <laughs> right, hole. Right, if you right. know what the, right. what the problem with the movie is, that's it's hilarious. Absurd. Yeah. It's absurd. And so that is a that's a part where, as you guys said, artistically. Um, yeah, to chop the end off somebody's movie, I mean, it just seems wrong. However, I think that movie goes from a two to an eight when you lop that last 12 minutes off. So I'm okay violating it artistically so I Let can have ask, a good viewing experience. Let me ask you this. Is it okay to chop it off if it is so obviously a studio note? There's a film that I'll probably be talking about a little bit later called Other People's Money. Oh, I was going to say Brazil because that oh, has... Oh, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but uh, but there's no director's cut of other people's money because right, nobody right, gives right. a shit. But, I mean, David, you've watched it. Yeah. There's the the end because uh-huh. it's based on a play. There's the obvious end. Then there's the, you know, love conquers all <laughs> right, right, uh, ending. Right. And you're like, what? <laughs> it, it's so tonally different. And if you cut that off, first off, it the film completely hangs together. You don't feel like there's unresolved things. Right. It just ends a lot sadder. And so, um, yeah, it's it's a thing that I'm I'm really... I'm excited to to do this, um, and uh, and I owe it all to the English patient. <laughs> well done, well done. I think Brazil's a good example too, because if I remember correctly, and I might just be making things up here, but I believe um, Terry had actually created an illegal kind of edit of the movie and started showing it, uh, unbeknownst to the studio. Mm-hmm to at theaters to people yeah. mm-hmm. and that it created so much buzz it convinced the studio to change the ending so he's basically doing exactly what you're doing with the english patient uh, sort of let me ask you this from a copyright standpoint uh-huh because i'm a copy i'm on here as resident copyright expert yeah. that's my uh touch of evil oh boy now there's a, a charlton heston totally a mexican i buy it 100 percent all day long so there's the studio edit. Uh-huh. Then there's that 58-page memo that I've read every line of. <laughs> of where, course you have. Why wouldn't you? Where Orson Welles said, okay, the film... And by the way, it's such a fascinating uh, uh, study in like passive aggression and <laughs> genuine like tact to, get, to try to get what you want. But it's him saying, I totally understand why you guys made that edit. But what I'm saying is maybe just perhaps if you did this... He's basically saying, if you just go back to what I did, it'll uh-huh. be better. And I've seen the studio edit. It's fine. It's still, you know, a good movie still a good movie. You watch the Wells edit, which somebody recut based on that memo. Wasn't it Walter Murch? I think it was Walter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a, a great editor. Yeah. And then it's editor, okay, yeah. by the way, when he does it. <laughs> yeah. Editor of the English page. <laughs> what? Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. Is it really? And so, You're um, blowing my mind right now. Is that true? It's all, it all, it's all circular. Um, and so 
uh, and creator of fanedit.org. Yeah. I, don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you knew that or not, but he's the one that he's that working that. on that lost thing. <laughs> right. Right. So, uh, anyway, and so there's, here we have Walter Murch going from the director's original notes to recreate a film that has a copyright on it. You know, the studio said like, this is the official thing. It's the one that got released. This is the official version. And then someone comes along and, you know, the, the original filmmaker's dead, uh, but the studio still owns the film. And so now you have somebody re-editing it according to the director's wishes, but breaking copyright. But now Universal re- releases that version uh, pretty readily. Uh, in fact, on, on DVD, that's the only version you can get. And then there's a Blu-ray, which I think there's like three different versions, uh, including the studio cut. So I don't know. It sounds like Universal has solved this problem for us. Their lawyers guess, have yeah. already had this conversation on the Universal Law podcast. <laughs> my, my guess would and be that they realized, look, the only people that care about Touch of Evil are people that are going to want to see the Wells version. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. I, I'm a copyright nut job, though. I don't even like buying used. It feels just as dirty to me as just yeah. stealing the movie. I mean, nobody who made the movie gets any money. How is that any... I don't, you know... It's not that I really want to give the used DVD store. I want that business to prosper, and they're not creating content. So I don't really care about them. So giving them five bucks instead of giving the thousands of people who made the movie five dollars seems so wrong to me um, that I get in this this kind of backwards moral dilemma about well, life must be really expensive. I know it's very difficult. It's very (laughs) difficult. A lot of movies in the cloud. That's that's where that is. That's actually very interesting. And I wish we were talking about that. Yeah. Oh, oh, I could do another three hours on that because this is, this stuff keeps me up at night. Let me tell you, yeah, especially absolutely. now that we've solved religion. So do you, yeah, is, um, now that's done. Uh, yeah. Do you? Well, how do you feel about Spotify? Well, again, if content creators went on there and said this is okay, then ultimately it's their decision at that point. And I think if they're getting money, I like that. You know, anything that gets people, to, uh, law is always trying to catch up with technology. It's a very, very difficult thing. So people start stealing music because it's easier it's readily available i don't even know if how much free is the important piece of it right Mm -hmm. it is a crucial piece but the fact you can go on your computer type 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 now i have music that's why people got it and spotify said no no no. let me solve this for you i'm going to give you all the music ever for basically no money very little money Mm -hmm. and somehow it's going to be legal and we're going to get that money, that tiny money you gave me, back to the artist, and everybody wins. It just sounds like magic to me. Right. I don't and even a lot, know. A lot of it's artists voodoo. aren't happy with how little. Right. Well, That's why, like, Adam Surpice got taken yeah. down off of uh, Well, that goes Spotify. back to, you know, you need to trust your label or your producers or right. your movie house. And when you sign with them and you sign away part of your rights and allow them to make those decisions, then you're kind of just screwed if they decide... You know, if you sell your movie to somebody and then they turn around and just give it out on the street for free, uh-huh. I mean, you should have kind of knew that when you sold it to them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And again, I'm a Spotify premium subscriber, yeah. uh, but I do wonder when people like Tom York are speaking out about right, it, right. it makes me feel a little guilty about listening to it. That's interesting. Some of the, you know, I'm not. I'm not on there every day listening to Beyonce. Maybe every other day I listen to Beyonce, but I'm also listening to a lot of stuff that isn't huge. And so I'm wondering, am I hurting them? Or I'm curious if Spotify translates to film because you have Netflix, 
But that model, this is very difficult with film because I feel like there's much more of a schism. Netflix does not have everything. Right. What you can do is go on Netflix and look for a movie to watch. But if I say, hey, guys, you should see High Tension, you can go on Netflix and you got an 80% chance it's not going to be there. Yeah. And so you start to see these popping up in all these different little services everywhere. I'm more concerned that now for the subscription model, I have to sign up in 10 places and there's still a good chance I can't see the film. Mm. And that's a difficult thing, I think. It's a good problem to solve. Not one we can solve, probably. Not here. Anyway. We got too much stuff to talk about. Uh, I wonder how that's going to... I can see your mind, your yeah. entire your entire world. Yeah, is... well, I think, I mean, uh, it's not... It's not Netflix's fault or Amazon's fault or Voodoo's fault that they don't have everything. They want everything. Yeah, right. It's the content providers that uh, sure are only things are changing. They're changing things. right now. This whole day and date thing, um, the the entire industry, I feel like, is shifting, and I don't know where it's going to land. Movies are much much different than music in that regard. Uh, one person can make music and put it up, and it can be distributed. And free music kind of happened overnight and uh-huh. forced that industry to change. I think film, because of some of the technical constraints, files are bigger, uh, people don't rewatch film. I mean, you and I might rewatch film a million right. times, but uh, a lot of people will watch a movie one time. There's a lot of things that make it different than music in that sense. So I'm still curious to see kind of where we land on that. And also if these service uh, these services... Spotify is not going out to produce music, as far as I know. Right. But Netflix is producing a ton of content. Yeah, as They're, is Amazon now. Right, right. Uh, Amazon's producing stuff, Netflix, Hulu. I mean, most of the the content uh, distributors in the digital realm are also creating content because it's cheaper for them to mm-hmm. do it that way. And so while we figure out all of the distribution problems, we're also seeing things like... Um, I, I mean, pick any of these Netflix series that may not have existed at all, probably would not have existed at all. And that's happening in the TV space, too, because something like Netflix is around. Mm-hmm. Arrested Development's a great example. Probably uh, Serenity, Firefly, you know, years and years ago, had Netflix been around, we might still be, we might be on a podcast about it today. <laughs> might be like, yeah, 13th year, going strong for Firefly. I mean, yeah. you don't know. It'll be like the alternate universe in Fringe. Right. I don't know if you right. watch Fringe, but yeah, like the absolutely. taxi cab had ads for like West Wing season 12. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. There's, um, uh, there's actually one thing that I was thinking about that I, I wanted to bring up, uh, strange enough, with uh, Paul Goebel, but I, he left your wedding before I could, which is, uh, Netflix struck a deal with uh, Fox that they would air Gotham, uh, no, like no matter what, no matter how many episodes they had, they would, you know, they already set up a deal to to air it, no matter what the ratings were, no matter if it got canceled. Now, obviously, it's got it's Gotham, it's going to do okay. But I remember thinking like that's interesting because Fox is already it, just through Netflix, they're all they have this agreement in place the show could do terribly and they might be more inclined to keep it on the air, uh, knowing all re- knowing that like their, co- their right. costs are paid for. Um, and so something that might've gotten canceled otherwise, uh, might stay on or the other side, they might think, well, we don't have to, you know, we don't have to air everything cause they're going to, they're going to put everything on there anyway. Sure. So we'll still get some money through that. So I- I'm curious I- I'm to know what for co-productions, <laughs> 
and spreading out the risk. That's the only reason oh, yeah. like Hannibal is still on because it's... Well, Hannibal uh, is such a good example. Some states don't even get every episode. Really? What a bizarre world that is. Yeah, yeah, I believe there's two episodes that didn't air in specific states. Wow. So you can only get them online, which seems yeah. nuts to me. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but thanks to distributors, you and, know, yeah, digital distribution. It's, uh, it's like half, and it's uh, half paid for by Gaumont or whatever, the French company. It's not an entirely uh, NBC production or whatever. Uh, I'd much prefer that to to go back to Fringe again. The, the Fringe stayed on because they started heavily integrating product placement in the last couple seasons to the point where it was kind of like you kind of had to like step back from the show and roll your eyes a little bit okay here's the point where astrid's going to mention her sprint tablet yeah. okay now we get back to the <laughs> right. aliens and shit right um uh it's i'm definitely more into the that model of uh yeah. spreading the risk around yeah that sounds i I've, I uh, I stepped out for a moment, everybody, so I don't know how much they got into the idea. We of talked about you the whole time. <laughs> yeah, they're like, okay, now that he's gone, okay, we'll we'll get back to it once we. I cleared up that thing open. about religion while you were gone. Oh yeah, so we, we fixed that. What did you um, get up to do, by the way? I use the restroom. Oh okay. So I thought maybe you shut off the AC because the AC shut off right uh, after you no, left. That's just a coincidence. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, just uh, it is fascinating to me that technology is now having an impact. Not merely on content delivery, but on content itself. There's I stuff wonder if that created. wasn't always happening, though. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I guess, but it's little things like stuff being like Arrested Development yeah, or right. Community being resurrected only because of this. Sure. You know, which I think is Right. And is not only resurrected, but resurrected with more uh, freedom, maybe less money, but more artistic freedom and some, you know. Yeah community they can they can cuss on yahoo yeah <laughs> right um, right now i mean that, that's necessarily going to make it uh a show i like um yeah. i'm not sure if that's if that could happen but um uh no i think what but what you're talking about that i uh or what i what i think you're referring to is that you're moving from a you know t- television is uh what's referred to as a push media in that they you sit down and turn it on and then they push at you here's what you have to watch mm. whereas the internet is a pull media you open up your screen and right. you decide what you want and you pull it to you and so that means uh that um you can have there's a there's an old saying that really doesn't apply anymore but it's an old saying that because television tries to reach as broad an audience as it can back in the days when there were only like four networks or whatever uh, the saying was that um, television will never be as good as the best movies or as bad as the worst movies because it's too bland and too sure. watered down. Right. And now that's not Which true Which in anymore. some ways, in my mind, makes it worse than the worst movies. Uh, it, oh, yeah, when it, it's so broad, it says nothing and speaks to no one, then it yeah, is. Yeah, but of course there were always artists you know, who found ways to, uh, like Norman Lear, who found ways to, to work around that um, and to tap into cultural veins and actually speak to them. Uh, and that's part of the thing that I find fascinating about older television. But um, where television is now is, you know, people keep talking about it like, oh, this golden age that isn't ending. But that's not what it is anymore. Now it's just there's so much of it that there's a lot of really good stuff and a lot of really bad stuff. And we get to choose now, just like at a movie theater. We get to choose yeah. whether or not we go see a certain movie and we get to choose which shows we watch and which shows we don't watch and which shows we read recaps of because we don't feel like watching it but we want to feel like we're up to date so that we can keep in <laughs> keep up with conversations wow that got personal like pretty down, fast yeah, like down abbey yeah <laughs> i've never I seen mean, an episode but i know what happens yeah uh looking at the time i'm calling it and we're abandoning this topic <laughs> um, okay good but uh well let's get into it shall we uh real quick i want to talk about tweakedaudio.com that's where you go 
for uh, professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors, uh, and you can get all that. These are, these are stylish styles and colorful colors, and you can get them, at, at the, the, these, these fantastic earbuds, at tweakedaudio.com. And if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, you get one-third off and no shipping charges. So that's tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, it's – I see this on Facebook all the time, and it's, it's, a, it's an argument that needs to end, and I'm shocked that it has not. Uh, and that is this idea – and we've talked about it on the show before – and, I, and you would think that we wouldn't need to talk about it again, but even just two weeks ago, somebody talked about, like, you know, somebody literally used the term the idiot box in reference to television. <laughs> oh, I was like, sure. seriously? Is it 60 years ago? Uh, it, was, it was so frustrating. And just people saying, like, ah, there's nothing good on TV. Like, I don't watch TV. I read because I want to be intellectually right, right, stimulated. Right. It's like, yeah, because there's no terrible books out there, certainly. Uh you know, it's it's like, oh, I, I don't it's like I didn't watch Deadwood, but I did read Twilight because I want to be intellectually stimulated. <laughs> sure. And so. Um, but, yeah, it's it just astounds me. And this idea, I, I like the way you put it, that people see it's like, oh, it's like a golden age that isn't ending. Well, that just means it's the standard now. This is what television is. A golden age that never ends means there's a new standard of quality. But. It's also it could also but, be a new low standard of shit if that's what you're watching. And yeah, and that's yeah. While people are talking, yes, there's amazing great TV shows on now, but there are also some of the dumbest TV shows in the world now. Yeah. You know, dating naked, like yeah. That's a. You know, this sounds like a great show. I wasn't aware that this was. <laughs> it's a, it's what it sounds like. It's a it's like a blind date, except instead of little bubbles well, popping up, just, of, there are bubbles popping up to cover cover their genitals and not to say cute things. Yeah, it's well, not I'm blind date. You see everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spoil all of TV, the future of TV for you here. Okay. So let's just fast forward, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 years into the future. On Wait, a, don't tell me who's a Cylon. <laughs> <laughs> on a long enough timeline, the only logical conclusion here is that all things will be taped all the time, and there will be TV of every conceivable thing that could be created. Uh-huh. The same way music is. And we're not quite there yet, but, and, you know, I don't want to drag this back into music, which certainly is not something that I... Well, this isn't a TV podcast either, so we're, yeah. we're kind of... Right, but, you know, film will eventually follow suit. I feel like film is always kind of lingering, now especially, behind TV, which lingers behind music as things progress. Uh, but with music, you can find the, the types of genres that exist are infinite. There, there's everything. Everything exists. Almost programmatically. Almost machines can just put together, you know, through algorithms, every type of conceivable song and lyric that could possibly exist. You know, millions of monkeys on millions of typewriters, right? Right. And I think we Which reach is how that. Which you get uh, metal snobs who are right. pedantic about, oh, I like exactly. death metal, but not well, look at death metal. Metal is such a perfect, thank you. Metal is <laughs> yeah. perfect for this, because right? Because I'm a guy who likes metal to some extent, but I don't always know what genre I'm listening no, to. No, you don't. I like it or not. No, because. Exactly. that phrase is almost never uttered. Metal is perfect for this. <laughs> <laughs> metal is. Especially in reference to, like, occasions. Specifically, are you staying up on the Slipknot news? Are we? Are we? all keeping I mean, up on the masks okay you're talking good. about and, uh, teasers for the new album. i don't know i thought i saw you write something I, on so so that was my, up on that was my vague, vague attempt to just yeah i don't know what that was but um so <laughs> i have new masks well good now i know now i know uh tv i think follows suit there in in reality television and eventually film because cameras are becoming so cheap and they're becoming everywhere 
uh, whether we want them to or not. Look at, you know, if I were to point a camera at us and take a picture while we were doing this, it might be a little weird, but five years ago, we would have just stopped the show. It would have been so bizarre. What are you taking? Of? I don't even know. What Do I look okay? I don't, I don't <laughs> want my photo taken. And we're all so aware that this is happening all the time. And I think that eventually happens with video and it just gets so cheap to make and cheap to distribute like Netflix mm. or like, I don't know, Ustream or YouTube, that all of this content, more content is uploaded to YouTube than you could ever watch. I mean, I'm sure you guys have you know heard that stated that in a lifetime, you could never watch all of the YouTube that is YouTubing right. at any given point. And as so, long as I get to see all the ice bucket challenge fails, right, right. people get bonked on the well, head. I think we might be at a precipice here where you couldn't even in one lifetime watch every ice bucket challenge video. And that was, on the course of human history, such a blip on the radar. So I think we start getting cameras in more places. They're pointed at more things, recording all the time. And reality TV will probably be first in the, uh, the genres, the subgenres disappearing. All reality, every conceivable reality TV idea will be filmed and probably live on Ustream at some point in the next 10 years. And that is the future of television. I just thought I'd deliver that for you. But uh, I don't know if that's entirely true with the reality This isn't up for debate. Because uh, shows, this is something we were talking about, Paul Goble and I were talking about on my other show. It's called Hey, Watch This. You can find it at BattleshipRetention.com. Um, but that's a but, Hannibal podcast, uh, right? Uh, <laughs> kind of. Come next spring, it will be. Thanks for that, by the um, way. I, for Hannibal? You guys, you guys totally turned me on to Hannibal. I didn't give it any thought, and uh, it is the best thing on television far and absolutely, away. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, I think, uh, I, I know we can, uh, we can all be, those of us who have a higher standard for the uh popular arts that we consume can be a little cynical about that's the pretension the, part of battleship <laughs> yeah. pretension right there talking but they, they, we can be a little cynical about the tastes of the masses but uh one thing that television has shown in, in multiple occasions and i think it's probably happening again with utopia is that when you just have reality just point it at point the camera at something people tune out they want they want uh, an influence to be to be to be exacted upon the thing they're watching. They want storylines. They want it to be edited into storylines, and so I think we're never we're never going to get completely away from the role of the uh, creator or cre- the creative hand. So I don't know if uh, I, I don't. You feel like there's a creative hand in a lot of reality TV shows? Oh sure. I, I don't know if it's. I mean, it depends on what we mean by creative. But most yeah. reality TV shows are written to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and I guess that's what I'm talking about. They're at least manipulated into. I think that you know classical story structure still means something to people. Sure. And uh, you can't. You, you know, uh, you can't just hope conflict happens. People want to see conflict and they want to see it resolved. And you need someone to push that along. Mm-hmm. This uh, is something that I have said in regards to sports, strangely enough. Uh, obviously, I'm not a big sports fan, so I'm, and I'm not going to shit on sports itself. But there are times when I've gotten, not even in a, in a debate, but I've gotten in discussions with people about the, why sports can be inspiring. And, in ver- and I say, like, as opposed to film. And they say, like, oh, but, like, I mean, if you look at these people's stories, I was like, what was that? Uh-huh. stories you say oh you've hit an important thing yeah uh, and just it's like and that's the thing even the great games like the the best games you've ever seen there's often a story 
to them or an arc if for it's a, a narrative if, quality I there, would there's say. a narrative aspect to it that i think people just naturally respond to that's not to crap on sports it's just that people i think inherently want well, that. So when you say stories you're talking about off the field things that inform is that what you're saying uh yeah i mean when people because talk about the stuff that inspires them about sports it can I, again it can still be like oh this team was behind like way behind and then they came up and won. Sure. Like, okay, so that's David and Goliath. Uh or or yeah. some, or then an underdog thing. Like the the concept of underdog is itself a a story aspect. Mm. And so I don't mean to say I don't mean to denigrate sports in and of themselves, but I would say that in everything that people like and respond to, there's a story element. And what what right, you're yeah, saying yeah. about reality TV you just turn the camera on, and if there's literally, you know, no co- no competition at all, yeah, uh, or anything like that, and they just let it go, people will pull away. But if e- if you even add just the slightest bit of challenge, some something for the char- the characters <laughs> to work against, yeah, uh, people are much more interested. And that's uh, you know. And that's one one version. There's the, so there's the game version of reality TV where mm-hmm. there are contests like in Survivor or The Quest or Amazing yeah. Race. Then there's the kind the the celeb reality, whatever the Kardashians, Hogan knows best, whatever. Please, Celebrity which, Apprentice. That's what <laughs> okay. we're. But that's more the game one. That's than a challenge. Thing. I'm talking about like the Kardashians or the, like the Real Housewives say has this sheen on it this agreement or winking this is just a we're just watching these people's lives right but everything is uh, there's a plot for every episode that's clearly right. scripted out by story by by writers in most cases often they are not uh paid union wages uh and that's fucked up but um uh but even if you go further back and try to be more pure and think about uh one of my favorite shows of the summer was um uh, the the series NY Med, which followed various uh, hospitals in New York City. Um, now that's none of that's written; they're just uh, following the stuff that comes in. But it's also a huge gap between when it filmed and when yeah. it aired because they took time to edit together the footage they had into yeah. story beats that we recognize. Yeah, there's a reason you include one bit of footage and exclude another, and it's because it's more compelling. Interestingly enough, and perhaps we can use this as a transition into the film you're working on. Uh, I watched a film. Uh, many years ago that turned out to be way better than I thought it was going to be called Michael Moore Hates America. Oh, absolutely. Uh, featured a an interview with Penn Jillette. Mike Wilson Mike did Wilson. that film. Uh, who listens to my show, I guess I found out on Twitter oh, really? a couple weeks ago. That's yeah. very exciting. He sent me a tweet. We talked to him on Double Feature a long time ago and just kind of you know parted ways because he makes things and I'm some asshole on Twitter. And so <laughs> we don't usually, you know, I don't have my guests over for dinner or anything. No. And uh, yeah, he tweeted me a couple weeks ago and just mentioned that he listens to the show and I thought that was cool. So yeah. and it's, I'm and a big I, fan of Michael Moore Hates America. I think that's a great film. It's, you know, and that's the thing, it's. The big thing that I, I say is like, oh, I, in a way, I wish it didn't have that title because it's inflammatory. But even when they talked to who's Albert Mays, I know, I know, I know, I know. and he's like, well, I think he does. Right. And if right. he does, then that's your title. <laughs> right. It's like, well, what are you going to do? Argue with him? Right. Um, right. But uh, in the interview with Penn, he says, look, you're going to he says, you're going to fuck it up. The minute you cut, you you've started to steer it in the yeah. way that you want it to be, you know, unless even freaking. Was it Frederick Wiseman who has like long takes? Eventually, he's going to have to cut. It's not all. It's not just two hours in real time. And so, yeah, oh god, um, if, if only his movies were only two hours. <laughs> <laughs> fan edit. I'm smelling a fan edit here. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's uh, something worth talking about. And that's and oddly enough, this this came about 
so we're we're to like editing and the the choices that you make and this came about partially as a result of me talking about editing uh, uh english patient into the thing you want it to be the thing that is more satisfying um but uh i will because we should probably start wrapping up because uh, we've been going for a while now right yeah, we got we have a little more time. Okay. I still want to talk about this guy's movie, right? And that's and what I have I was other gonna, stuff I want to talk about. Yeah, that's what I was going to transition into. So you are in Los Angeles, uh, not for podcast purposes, though it's quickly becoming that, right? Um, <laughs> right, right. But because you are working on a film called Director's Cut. Yeah. What yeah. is it? Tell me about this it. This is uh, I. This movie's not even made, right? Nor do I have a huge stake in it. So I want to say first as a fan of this movie I'm working on that it's going to be so friggin' awesome. <laughs> um, it's So I find myself, and you guys probably do this too, you watch a lot of movies during the year and you start to get bored by seeing the same pattern over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what's coming. And I mean, this isn't a problem most people have, I don't think. Uh, but it is certainly a problem people who watch a lot of movies have. Mm-hmm. And so the movie I'm working on is one of the most bizarre things I have ever, if I came upon it and watched it, I would have no idea what to what to think. So the premise of this, it's Adam Rifkin who's doing this. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people know Adam Rifkin, he, he's the director on this, uh, from Detroit Rock City way back, or uh, Chillerama that, uh, that came out more recently. We just got an invite to a screening of a film he made called Just Joseph, he makes a movie. Yeah. Uh, when are you doing that, by the way? Uh, Nobody cares about this, but I'm going to ask when you. When are we going air. to? Well, yeah, uh, yeah. neither I, one of us can make it, so we're seeing if the other. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'm writers. I'm going to go to that, and I'll wave to somebody on your behalf. Okay. okay. I'll wave to somebody and assume you know who they are. Fair enough. Um, but Adam made a movie called Look, which blows my mind. The premise of Look being that you are—it's actually a lot of the stuff we're we're talking about today—culminates into this. But uh, you're taped 22,000 times a day without your knowledge, just through traffic cameras, the camera in the ATM, cameras on all sorts of things all the time. So he made a narrative film shot from the vantage point of all of these cameras. Mm. Now, it is a fictional film, but he only shot from areas that would have could potentially have cameras and then he wove all of what looks like this security footage into narratives so it's very rear window it's very peeping tom Mm. and uh and it's a you know it's a really artsy film so he's directing this thing pendulette is writing it and the premise of the movie is so fascinating to me so there is a crowdfunded film called Knocked Off. Crowdfunding also changing. Mm-hmm. I think we're really early in that, but in that Netflix manner, mm-hmm. I think it's changing things. There's a crowdfunded uh, cop film somewhere between, you know, Seven and Lethal Weapon, right? Okay. It's called Knocked Off. It's about a serial killer who uh, repeats the killings of other famous serial killers. And there's a big twist in it. It's a, it's a cop thriller. And uh, Missy Pyle stars in it, playing um, playing kind of a, against the comedic type, playing a, oh. a real drama role. I'm already sold. I'm a huge yeah. Missy Pyle fan. So this is oh, this is going to become your favorite Missy Pyle movie. I'm not messing around with you. Um, so what happens is that Herbert Blount is a crowdfunder to this movie, Knocked Off. He's a huge Missy Pyle fan. He puts a bunch of money into the crowdfunding to get access to the set and watch Knocked Off being made. It gets him closer to Missy Pyle, who he's in love with. He kidnaps Missy Pyle from the set of Knocked Off, straps her in his basement, 
and forces her to reenact the scenes of the film the way he would have them play out with himself as the love interest. Herbert Blount is played by Penn Jillette. Everyone else plays themselves, making the movie knocked off. And this is director's cut. So the director's cut you're seeing is Herbert Blount, played by Penn oh, Jillette, okay. Herbert Blount's director's cut of Knocked Off. Furthermore, icing on the cake, the entire movie has VO by Penn Jillette because it is the director's commentary. <laughs> so when you go see this, hypothetically in a theater, not that that would necessarily happen because, again, the whole game is changing. I have right. no idea how this will come out. But uh, when you go see this, um, the entire thing is going to be uh, narrated by Penn Jillette. Now, I'm not sure. I probably should have given a spoiler warning in here because I'm. there's still a lot more twists to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, to some extent, I assume everybody who sees it is going to know a lot of these things. And uh, I'm finding that it's so weird, it's almost impossible to spoil. But the way a lot of these scenes are being constructed is just, uh, it's incredibly bizarre. Incredibly bizarre. So Missy Pyle has to play... There's a there's a huge onion being peeled here, right? Uh-huh. Missy Pyle is playing herself in a hostage-type scenario, uh, acting across from Pendulette, who is playing a character. Now, Missy also has to play a cop. She's serious in the cop role. Not a lot of comedy to it. Um, it's very creepy and bizarre at the hostage level. And uh, her performances are just absurdly raw. They are very, very... Uh, It's a lot of tears. It's very emotionally challenging. Being on the set of this movie, I almost feel like we were doing a scene the other day where Herbert Herbert basically makes her take a shower in the basement because she does her best thinking in the shower in Herbert's version of the movie because Herbert is a pervert and wants to (laughs) see see Pyle naked, uh, is fascinated with in love with her. And so to do this scene... Uh, we're in this this super old you know Hollywood film set building, and uh, Missy's in one room all alone, and she's being super method about this. So she gets she's a, a, a just really really nice woman, very personable. But when she goes to get into these edgier scenes, you don't talk to her all day. She stays away from the crew. Nobody. It, it's almost a Nosferatu, uh, mm-hmm. Shadow of the Vampire type. Mm-hmm. Nobody speaks to her. She just sort of shows up, and she's very emotionally charged. And uh, she doesn't want to talk between takes and so on. So she'll do this in one room, which is set up to be like a creepy basement with a really bad green screen, uh, Herbert setup, and a, a lone walkie-talkie in the room. And then the rest of us, I'm an executive producer on this film which means I just watch a film being made is basically what this is. And, uh, you know, whatever actors are working that day and Adam's there and, um, and, you know, various members of the crew, uh, will be in the other room watching the monitors. And so what we're seeing on these monitors, which by the way, Adam Rifkin is always filming this on GoPros and has eight, eight cameras on her taped in hidden locations in the room. Hmm. So we're watching essentially what looks like security monitors, uh, there's, you know, uh, five or eight or whatever monitors. And Missy calls her own action because this is just, it's very dramatic and trying for her. So it's just whenever she's ready. And so what we see is really no call to action, no rolling. Cameras are, they're GoPros, they're just on. And we're all just patiently sitting there, uh, turn the water and the effects on. And we're just waterboarding a woman in a basement <laughs> in some creepy, I mean, it's really, for me, to, it's almost hard for me to watch. I watch a lot of horror stuff. People have heard my show. Like, we tackle taboos. I love edgy stuff. It's why I want to get involved. 
but uh, it get, it gets hard to watch at at points because it's just Missy Pyle. She's a nice woman, and she's tied up in the basement. She can't get away. Water's coming down on her. She's trying to do her lines, but she's coughing up water and she's screaming. And we're all kind of looking at each other, like, "Is this even legal? What we're doing? <laughs> and should what we all be as aroused as we are? <laughs> right, right, yeah, right, right. It's right. all there. Right. So Teller has a Teller has a really great uh, couple scenes. Um, around that same kind of creepy arousal thing. There's a lot of stuff in it that's just super, super smart. How did you get involved with this? Through crowdfunding, which the movie, in addition to being a, a commentary on, actually was also funded through. Uh-huh. So it's kind of a record-breaking thing. We raised a uh, million dollars for the film, which is you know huge to us sitting here, but no money for a, a movie. Yeah. So we don't have you know air conditioning on the set or seats or napkins uh-huh. so you know sparing no no uh expense we are getting the movie made but it's uh it's crowdfunded and part of the idea behind that is that studios and you guys are probably going to find this fascinating but studios said you can't have a movie that has director's commentary over the actual movie the entire time no one will get it i think everybody's heard a director's commentary i think everybody knows what that is yeah. right uh, i think everybody knows what it is it's arguable whether everybody's Everybody has heard one. I don't know if they have. Yeah, but they would know. It's called Director's Cut. You go to see it. Everybody they thought it was too smart, to see basically. The movie, probably, yes. I'd, I'd venture to say that. So this was shopped around, and people thought, way too smart. And uh, so these guys decided, you know what? Let's make it on our own. We'll raise money on the internet using a apparently highly controversial, you know, famous people using Kickstarter. I, everybody's up in arms about the Zach Braff and the Veronica Mars. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. This will be, you know, no surprise to you, having given all my capitalistic remarks. But I think it's brilliant, and uh-huh. I have more power to them. Um, but they raised all the money online, and uh, big fan of Pendulette stuff. Been big fan of Adam Rifkin stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to get in on it, and I basically come out here and just uh, joined the crew and hung out here for about five weeks shooting this. Yeah, but how do you get to be executive producer? That uh, seems through like a- through putting money in through the crowdfunding. Okay. All well, right. so here's the thing, right? Executive producers help fund a movie; they get the money for the movie. Okay. So on a normal set, uh, and this is exactly you know how it was how it was described during crowdfunding. If you go through a studio, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to uh, you know, really roll out the carpet for a bunch of people who don't care about your movie, but they threw money in. Mm-hmm. So all these executive producers are going to come to your set and make everybody nervous and give you notes, and you're going to have to give them a little show around the set and kind of you know, pamper them for a day. And they said, well, if we have to do that no matter what if we make a movie... Let's do it with random anonymous assholes from Twitter instead of somebody from a big studio that's going to come over and go, uh, what's this Missy Pyle doing here tied up in a basement? Can't we have her on a... I don't know what they would say. I don't even know what, what producers would want to change about this movie. It's so insane. I don't know where well, they would uh, see. Um, did you see Seduced and Abandoned, the James Tobias no, documentary? No, no, no. Uh, the, based on that, they would say, why can't this be Jessica Chastain or someone else? Right, right. <laughs> but uh, the premise of Seduced and Abandoned is that James Toback and Alec Baldwin go to Cannes to try to... Because while Cannes is a film festival, it's also mm-hmm. a film market uh, where people sell and buy films. So they're trying to raise funding for a remake of Last Tango in Paris that takes place in Baghdad during the invasion in 2003. Sure. Um, starring Alec Baldwin in the Marlon Brando role and Nev Campbell. Right, in, right, right. And so I, I, they don't really... They're really going there to make this documentary. They don't really think that this film is going to get funded. They're really more just trying to explore how 
how films get funded. Right. And, um, and anyway, one of those fascinating things and kind of sad and insulting things is that almost every person they go to says, uh, not with Nev Campbell. Yeah. Like, we'll give you, sure, we'll give you a movie for, you know, pudgy, slab-faced Alec right, Baldwin right, to do sex right. scenes, but uh, Nev Campbell's too old. That's Nev Campbell's crazy. not hot enough, which is insane. Right. Is Nev- that, well, I haven't seen the film. Is it... Is it a function of that, or is it like he's more of a name than she is? Uh, I think it, I think it's both, but okay. it, I mean, yeah, they want someone younger and hipper. Um, okay. So uh, through crowdfunding, I think you empower uh, the fans rather than these studios, and you as an artist probably get to make something a lot closer to your vision, right? Well, yeah, but um, I, and I'm I'm okay with crowdfunding. I guess I, I don't think I've given it that much thought. I think I'm sad that it takes that. Yeah, that's because certainly the case. To go back to what we were talking about. Well, we can before, all be sad about that. That's, <laughs> I think but, that's the right right spot to be in. Yeah, to go back to what we were talking about before, about there being multiple niches now. Uh, niches, however we want to say it. Um, I like niches. With, with TV. Uh, in theory, that should be true with film as well. But you're, like, you, you point out that even this film, for a million dollars, they're saying it's too smart. Right. And that's so wrong-headed. I know. Because... You're not trying to make a movie that's going to be, I don't know, Forrest Gump or whatever. Um, it, it doesn't. It's not too smart for anyone. It's for its audience. Yeah. And if people are not smart enough for it, then those dumb people will go find their dumb right, movie to watch. Right, right. right. But you're seeing this in theaters, right? I mean, it seems like theaters are only spaces for action blockbusters. It seems like every year, not to say that more of these are necessarily being made, although I think they probably are. Um, or that film is getting worse over time or anything like this. But I do feel like year after year, the theater pushes out more art films to include more superhero films or Mm -hmm. blockbuster films because they appeal to a a wider audience. And not to say anything necessarily bad about those films, but I do think that changes the theater landscape, that theaters aren't quite... I know you guys are here in L.A., so it's a little bit different here. You can't go... I know know you're... Right, right, right. And it was a pretty full theater, so what do I know? Right. Well, when you're going to the AMC 30, your options might be a little more limited. So I think this is uh, this is how bringing power back to independent films that don't, you know, creative types don't always know how to fundraise. They don't always know how to get this money back. And they also, especially first time around, don't know how to not get screwed by the people who give the money. And so this allows them to preserve, uh, preserve their artistic freedom, really. Mm-hmm. But it does have, it's kind of double-edged because while you kick out the studio, you invite in random crazy people which has made this a very interesting set yeah one of those random crazy people is in your home right now Uh, so you know take that for what it's worth but uh, i came on just being executive producer and adam is a very spontaneous crazy guy so he was just down for whatever so uh he said uh executive producer you know what is that i don't know and uh i asked uh asked him about it and we talked a little bit about what does this mean and is there set access and he kind of just said come down whatever it's fine we start this day and so you know i talked to the crew and found out when to show up and i just showed up and now i'm just doing things in the movie so i'm a 20 something for instance and we always seem to be out of 20 somethings when we need people to take a bullet in the head (laughs) or be at a strip club scene so i'm in about 
we're three-fourths of the way done through shooting. I'm probably in about 10 or 11 scenes. Um, I play the executive producer of Knocked Off, which is also funny. So I'm in the kind of behind-the-scenes scenes. Do you have any lines? Um, nothing you can hear. Okay. Um, but you can definitely spot a lot of the same extras because we've been keeping the same people around. So the cops in the strip club will be, you know... There's a lot of cops everywhere, actually. I think cops are just playing cops inside the meta movie as well. There's cops all over the place. But yeah, so I'm playing a, an executive producer. I take a, a bullet in the head at one point, um, which is a crazy moment for me, by the way. So I am a person who does a podcast on movies. I don't work in movies. I don't know anything. I'm not inside this group, right? I'm not in the bubble. But suddenly I find myself in a scene with Penn Jillette being directed by Adam Rifkin. That's a pretty crazy thing to me. Yeah. And that was brought to you by crowdfunding. It's basically <laughs> allowed this opportunity. So I was I was in a place uh, you were for a while where I didn't know how I quite felt about crowdfunding. And when I was laying on the floor with a bullet in my head, <laughs> I figured out how I felt about crowdfunding. <laughs> that was pretty much it. All right. Well, I want to um, – we should probably wrap up soon, but um, I kind of want to go back to what we were talking about, whatever the topic of the episode might be. Um. You it's, have topics for yeah. these episodes. <laughs> it seems to me that what we're talking about is um, what the what the landscape has become for consuming what whatever visual storytelling or uh, filmmaking um, in the digital space and uh, all these different platforms. And you were talking about Netflix and now Amazon really getting into the game of creating their own content. Mm -hmm. Now Netflix also has a lot of documentaries that they. I'm not sure where they come on board with those, but there are a lot of doc documentaries that have the Netflix name. Going back to um, Dear uh, Dear Zachary, was that the name of that movie? That's uh, is that Netflix? Completely heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a rough, that's a rough oof. film. Um, well, they've got a new one coming out called the E Team, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. um, but um, how uh, do you think eventually Netflix uh, or Amazon will be creating, you know, fictional? Uh, feature films from the ground up. Uh, yeah, that rather and, you mean rather than kind of reappropriating content in a lot of the way. I guess yeah. it's all just uh, pretty much TV shows and documentaries now at this point, isn't it? And stand-up yeah. specials they start. Yeah, which I, I guess really and Netflix does that. And Epic yeah. It that. sort of seems like they're closing in on that. It, it sort of seems next, like... And then, and then yeah. we've come, at that point, we've come full circle to the monopolies right. of like sure. the studios owning distribution, production, and the theaters i was thinking of that uh the other day of wow it was a hundred years <laughs> but we're back <laughs> to was it uh, vertical integration is yeah that what it's called? i think that's yeah. what we learned in film school yeah and so <laughs> yeah i had i was talking uh with some friends about that the other day that like this that once they get into and i mean they're already doing it with tv and stuff but like once they get into making their own film that they distribute now admittedly it's not that's not all they're distributing either, right? So Netflix isn't only... The day that Netflix turns off the other content, which, by the way, I don't think is impossible. I think we may reach a point with Netflix where all of their content is made by Netflix yeah. because they seem to be striking more and more. I'm not even... There was a spot where you always knew the new Netflix original series. Mm -hmm. I don't anymore. I just <laughs> find things on there and I go, when the hell did Netflix make this? So yeah, I think happens. I'm still, but Amazon is the one that's crazy because they yeah. have that. Well, speaking of, this is almost like 
I mean, crowdfunding is very democratic. Amazon has this incredibly democratic way of Both, making TV yeah. shows where they make pilots, sure. and then they just show the pilots, and whichever ones are the most popular, they give a full season order to. That reminds me, uh, Hayes MacArthur, who uh, plays himself on our set, um, wanted me to mention, if I could, that he has uh, a thing called Really on Amazon. It's oh, a right, new yeah. pilot, which I thought was so bizarre and random but yeah we're we're right back talking about uh, original content um someone from this crowdfunded film has a pilot on amazon one of probably what eight or something at any given time yeah that amazon's constantly going through and the only trying one out. i watched was the whit stillman one which ugh, yeah not sure. good now i was thinking about the monopoly thing and i became aware that you know uh house of cards arrested development I Hemlock assume. Grove. Hemlock Grove. Orange is the New Black. Bojack Horseman. Like, <laughs> Bojack with Lily Hammer. Wait, Blacklist, are... right? Blacklist? Did I get one? That's the new one, right? <laughs> that's NBC, um, I think. Ah, uh, damn it. They, uh, no, I think that's I think that's Netflix. No, no Blacklist is no. definitely network. Is it on Netflix? Yeah, I'm sorry. Just, go on. Just added, but those, the, what we I wanted to be part like, of the crowd here, and I failed. Oh, <laughs> um, those do get DVD releases. And I think that's what keeps it from being the kind of monopoly we're talking about. If they literally said the only way to watch these things that we created is to pay for Netflix. Sure. If that's the only way to do it, like, I think that's – whereas – But you is know, that necessarily a bad thing? Well, I'm from a legal – like, that's, I think, what makes it a monopoly. But when you can rent uh, House of Cards on Redbox – yeah. Which is a Netflix creation. When you can do that, I think that's what keeps it from being a monopoly. Maybe. Then you have to but go I to still them don't know everything. that monopoly is the right word for it. Because it's not like... Th- that's just their... That's just their content. Well, yeah, you were talking right. about comedy earlier. I mean, Louis C.K. films something himself, his own money. He films it. He puts it on his website. Only his website. If no. you don't buy it on his website, you can't get it. Right. No. Now that changed. But did he have a monopoly? Which yeah, they, but which it was then his. Up like, well, why was it a monopoly a hundred years ago? I guess there's just there weren't as many outlets. Where now, whereas yeah, now I guess if you so live many. in a if you live in if you live in a small town, if you live not yeah. even in a small town, we live in I don't know Topeka or whatever. Yeah. And a hundred years ago, the only movie theater in town is owned by Samuel Goldwyn or whatever. Yeah. You're only gonna ha- sure. your 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 choices are limited because you're only gonna get those movies. Right. Whereas now. I can, if I want, I can have Netflix and Hulu Plus and uh, Amazon Prime, and I can, you know, pay, I can rent stuff from Vudu, and I'm just trying to think of more of them. Yeah. <laughs> I can have a DirecTV subscription. Crackle. Crackle, sure. Yeah. Crackle, the Epics. Yeah. YouTube's in the game, too. Doesn't yeah, YouTube, absolutely. not that you I ever want to promote YouTube yeah. for watching movies on, just seems weird, but yeah. But I have, because can I can watch too. YouTube through my Blu-ray player, I have rented, I rented, uh, Keep the lights on. The Iris X film from a year or two ago, which was fantastic. There, uh, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day that I, and we're getting beyond um, film and TV right now. But the we covered of, sports and religion and exactly, what else we, now? I believe we've. Well, I guess we're maybe starting to get into economics a little bit, which we don't have time for. But um, the idea is like, is is and which I, I don't mean, have the expertise for. Right? Is monopoly even possible in 2014 with the internet? Like at this Interesting. point, it's like oh this. You know, it's like, oh, this giant, I guess it can be possible, like, in but, a certain well, area. The pro- I mean, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to, op- 
fully open the Pandora's box of like net neutrality because it'd be here right. for a long time. But this idea that I have no about, opinion on net neutrality. I'm the <laughs> only one in the world. Well, the, so. the thing that I talked about earlier, the idea of the Internet being a pull media, the more you allow it to be uh, dictated by the which which company you sign up with gets to dictate what you see it's less of a pull media and then it becomes less democratic Mm -hmm. and therefore yeah i think maybe you can have maybe not a true monopoly Mm -hmm. but you can have less choice um without i'm an advocate of net neutrality uh for that reason um i i don't want to have anything favored over when i google something i want it to be because uh, I want the first thing to come up to you to be the most popular or the, you know, have, have the best SEO. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about the fact that that stopped happening a year into Google? I mean, yeah. You say, uh, when I Google something, I would like it to work away. It has never worked while I've used it. But, uh, but even SEO is like, okay, that's on a one by one basis. Anyone can figure that out and do that. Whereas theoretically, I've, <laughs> I've tried. Meanwhile, if you Google movie podcast, we're like, I think the fourth, fifth page. You ever so, wonder why uh, the cover of Orphan and Insidious look the same together? You should go ahead and type that into a search engine and just see what comes up first. I would imagine the double feature podcast. Uh, <laughs> the only reason we have any popularity is because I know adult film actresses and they know search engine optimization above all things. Crazy as that is. And so I learned from the best and thusly our podcast. <laughs> well, there you go. But still, that's what I'm saying. That's that that takes elbow grease or whatever. Yeah. You know. Whereas, uh, if it's up to say Time Warner or Cox or whatever, uh, wherever I get my internet from, then that takes that uh, that out of it. It, it has there's less choice uh, and there's less democracy. I guess. I know. I've heard so many things about net neutrality and I genuinely don't know where I fall on it because I hear people that are against it, people that are for it and I, and, bo- and both times when they say I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Well, it well, also gets, ex- it, it gets extrapolated to a lot of other things right. too. So I think, I think it is probably best to narrowly define it if you're going to try and figure out right. where you fall because we're kind of speaking in terms of Netflix or in terms of places you would get your content from but i'm right? talking about in just in net, net neutrality just in sure, general sure, sure. um because netflix you know i mean there's i mean that could be just a just a blip you know i mean seth meyers joked with the emmys this year that like hbo had its day and now netflix is nipping at its heels sure and you know it was like how does it feel now now hbo was like how the networks were 10 years ago or whatever but um netflix th- is kind or hbo is kind of that monopoly that Tyler's talking about because HBO yeah. creates original content and for a long time wouldn't put it anywhere. Yeah. Disney is uh, a little bit similar in that manner. Um, but to get back to net neutrality, mm-hmm. the, the base this gets to my, again, I'm not an expert in economics, as I said, mm-hmm. but my general point of view is that I am a capitalist and I believe in capitalism. I think it, uh, I think it's the worst form of economics except for all the other ones there you to go. paraphrase. Uh, who said that about democracy? Churchill, someone said democracy is the worst form of government. Uh, the Ron, other ones, Ron Paul, I believe. Ron, <laughs> Paul, Ron Paul, yeah. Um, but uh, I think, I think capitalism Paul. fits with what human nature is like. Mm-hmm. But I also think, to get back to a sports analogy, that competition is good, but also you don't play sports without rules and people to enforce those rules. So I think there should be an uh, an open field of competition, but it shouldn't be winner take winner takes all. It shouldn't be cutthroat. It shouldn't be uh, completely 
unregulated because I, I think that uh, um, oh, that that opens it up to, to to step over the boundary from taking certain parts of human psyche and nature uh, a tendency toward competition and getting the best out of us from that and it allows the worst of us to take over uh and you know it's essentially you wouldn't play a baseball game if it was okay for the catcher to shoot every batter in the kneecap as he stepped up <laughs> right. to the plane you have uh, to have rules hang on what did you just say <laughs> i wouldn't watch that <laughs> yeah i was just thinking that i'm sorry I was, that's the only sport i, I was just thinking <laughs> anyway. that the narrative quality to that right uh anyway so we've gone far off topic but i guess uh that we, I feel like that's close to what we were dancing on the whole episode. Kind of, uh, yeah. And you know, this the the marketplace is very much what we were talking about in in ways. So I guess I wanted to get my point of view about yeah. net neutrality and capitalism in general out there. Yeah. The question that, and then the big debate is how many rules are too many? Yeah. Right. Right. So, but that is not for this podcast <laughs> to decide. Right. That's for our libertarian religion podcast. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You and I will will do that, and that'll be so much fun <laughs> for all two listeners of Absolutely. that show. Um, uh, okay. We should probably wrap up, but we do have another ad to Yes, to do. we do. We do have another so, ad. <clears throat> hey, speaking of crowdfunding, everybody. <laughs> okay. Here we go. I love this. This episode is brought to you by I Was a Teenage Wear Skunk, a comic homage to the drive-in monster movies of the 1950s. Curtis is a mild-mannered teenager wanting nothing more than to do well in school and share a malt with his best girl. But one night while peeping on his neighbor, he is sprayed by an enchanted skunk. Now, whenever Curtis feels aroused, he transforms into a murderous were-skunk. Right now, you can contribute to the Kickstarter for I Was a Teenage Were-Skunk. This is a fairly low-budget film, so anything you can contribute will help. Uh, I checked on them, incidentally. They're doing actually pretty well with the fundraiser, but they still have a ways to go. So to find out more, just go to TeenageWereSkunk.com, or as always, click on the uh, banner at BattleshipPretension.com. So. Sounds like it has a lot of uh, kind of homage to it. And, Very much uh, so. I, I love all of that. I mean, Universal Monster, 1950s Monster, when it starts to get a little more exploitation, that's where I eat. I yeah. love that stuff. I cannot get enough of it. Yeah, and I watched their uh, sort of their little trailer for it, and uh, it looks, it does look a, like a lot of fun. And yeah, they right. really have, it's, it's that fine line that you run with comic homage where you're making fun of it. But with so much affection towards sure. it, and it really it, it kind of falls uh, right in that. It's in that, that self-aware Adam Wingard horror thing we were talking yeah. about a little bit too. But you don't want to be too self-aware because <laughs> right. then you then you're distancing yourself from it. You're not totally committing, and that's you know that's the thing about uh, uh, your next, and certainly the guest that you still need us to be completely invested. Uh, otherwise. We don't actually care. Well, I would say don't wrap a show until you've got a theme for another one. But it looks like uh, during our time here, you've you've got some things to jot down. Absolutely. I've oh, I've got so many episode ideas these days. <laughs> they they come in like uh, just waves. Where for some reason, I have like at the moment I came up with like ten ideas for episodes. And uh, I've already forgotten a couple of them. Yeah, we'll have to actually them. use them in a show at some point. Absolutely. Would be good. Yeah, right. For example, this this uh, this week's is going to be bumped back uh, to next week, I think, and that'll be a lot of fun. What? Oh, okay. Um, anything else? I think else that is it. Uh, I'll put this out there. Uh, anybody who might be interested, um, October eighteenth, I believe. Um, I'm going to be in. Well, I'll be in Chicago that whole week, but that night I'll be meeting with some friends, including 
uh, one of our writers, Aaron Pinkston. Uh, I'll be meeting at D'Agostino's at South Park and uh, Addison. Southport. Southport. Sorry, yes. Yeah, South, South Park, Park is, is a yeah animated yeah uh, satirical <laughs> that's libertarian. When get, that's when I go back to Denver. That's <laughs> when I go there. Okay. Um, no, at Southport and Addison, and uh, so at eight o'clock. If you felt like coming, I'm turning it into a sort of a, a meetup where you can meet Aaron, you can meet me. At the place where Tyler and I used to get pizza, what, 13 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. That pizza's damn good. That's That was my favorite pizza in Chicago. I remember it being good. Yeah. And, I, and the last time I visited Chicago, I wasn't able to eat there, and I'm kicking myself for it. Uh, <laughs> Here's the key. The sauce. Okay. It was a little sweet. I Is that it. what you like? I, I, I just remember liking their like sausage. It. Big... Yeah. Big chunks, almost like a meatball, like a mini meatball. Mama so, mia. On the, on the pizza. Now, let me ask you this. Was that a spicy meatball? <laughs> if you wanted it that way. Fair enough. You got the red pepper flakes. You can got put it. them on there. All right. Um, you can find us at battleshippretension.com. Uh, that's where you find all our movie reviews, including my review of The Guest, which is up now. Um, and within a day or two of you hearing this, my review of Greg Araki's White Bird and the Blizzard, which I haven't written yet. But uh, is a great movie. I wonder what I'll have to say about it. It's really awesome. Spoiler. Um, uh, so uh, and uh, also all the other podcasts in the BP fleet, including including the aforementioned I Do Movies Badly. Um, that's at battleshipretention.com. You can email us David at battleshipretention.com or Tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at the pretension. Sorry, the pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at morethanonelesson.com. Okay, my other podcast is a weekly TV podcast. Hey, watch this with Paul and David. That's the king of TV, Paul Goebel. This week, we'll be talking about the new Ken Burns uh, documentary, The Roosevelts. And we'll also be talking about the new uh, Tim and Eric show, Tim and Eric's Bedtime Stories. Um, uh, that's a, a pairing made uh, for a double feature. Yeah, <laughs> right? you guys are kind of doing a double feature all the time with, uh, uh, with two shows. Yeah, I mean... The only thing they have in common usually is that they aired the same within the same seven yeah, period. We make up most of our <laughs> themes during the episode, so uh, so that's that. Um, and uh, Eric, where can people find you and your work on the internet? Well, so uh, we have doublefeatureshow.com. If you can't put up with forty-five minutes of me weekly, I do have a Twitter. It's uh, at underscore e r i c x one three. You know, like my name, right? And uh, also. I don't know when this is going out or if we're still making a movie or if it's going to be too crazy by then and the whole thing just gets shut down. But uh, makepenbad.com, P-E-N-N, uh, as in make Penn Jillette, a bad guy, uh-huh. uh, is the website for Director's Cut. Um, just as much a fan of this project as a contributor, honestly. I, I don't really feel like I have a, a stake in this, but I feel the need to tell people about it anyways just because I had such a good experience. This is me recommending you know, a good coffee shop to you guys, honestly. This is me saying uh, I'm having a really good time with this, and if people are interested in it, they should probably look at that too. It sounds very interesting. It sounds like a lot of fun, and... It's going to make a phenomenally strange and intriguing movie. I like that, especially for people who are bored with other movies. This is going to be a, this is going to be something else. And it winds up exploring something that we talk about on the show, but we talk about it in a favorable light, which is the idea of uh, audience ownership of a piece of art after that art is sure. done. Uh, but then we also, so we talk about that in a positive way. But then we also talk about how. Or maybe I talk more about this, that like with modern technology and crowdfunding can fall under that, that um, 
people feel more entitled when it comes to their art sure, that it not sure. that it cater to what they want and that it be the thing they want it go it goes beyond just letting in only what they want and it becomes everything needs to be that right and so it seems to be an exploration of that which i'm very excited about yeah that's uh that's surprise versus affirmation i think mm-hmm. that's a that's a potential we should be jotting that down too that okay. is a potential future idea sounds good all right. uh, thanks a lot for having me by the way this is a phenomenal show that oh, you guys you. do so i'm really i'm really happy to be on here we mostly just show up and wing it every week. That's true. Well, great. We, That's we literally, <laughs> for a for over a week, we've been planning on today's topic, which we didn't which talk about then, at all. Which we then this was bumped. great though. I think we we covered a lot of stuff that's going to be highly relevant or look really ridiculous in five years. That's, <laughs> that's right about where I want to be. Usually, I look forward to listening yeah. to it uh, again. I hope it won't be five years till you're back on the show. Uh, this is a great time. Thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 